listen to me. Let's do that hockey. Welcome, everyone, to Dauber Prospects Report number 17. I'm Victor Nunez, one of the co-hosts here. And of course, Peter Harling is with me. How you doing, Pete? Good as always, Victor. How about you? Yeah, I'm doing pretty well. I hear there was a long weekend up there in Canada. Yeah, I had the Monday off today. We're recording this is August the 7th, so it's nice to have a day off. Although I get a day off from my day job and the the moonlighting gig with Hockey Picks Up, I had like three articles to work on this weekend for different things. So keeping busy, my man, keeping busy. I know how it is when I have a day off. It's like, well, which jobs do I still have to do when I have a day off? Yeah. <laughs> At least my kids are growing up. You still got little ones that are demanding of your time too. That's hard. Yeah, they're sweet though. Yeah, so in this report, we're going to talk all about the World Junior Summer Showcase with Chris Peters of Flow Hockey, one of the best prospect watchers in the game. So can't wait to get to that. Before we get started, I want to remind you that Dabba Prospects Report is a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. We're very excited to be a part of the army of fantastic hockey podcasts please check out at HockeyPodNet for all the shows like this one, talking hockey from fantasy to team coverage to you name it. You can also use the DraftKings promo code THPN for listening to the show. More on that in a bit. And also, the DPR show is proudly sponsored by Fantrax. Fantrax is the ultimate league manager for any dynasty sport you play. It's completely customizable for however you want to set up your league, from scoring categories, an amazing draft room, to hosted draft pick tracking, and a treasury option so you you don't have to worry about that and so, so much more. Use the promo code to sign up for a free league using this link, fantrax.com forward slash DPR show. All right. So on with the show. Pleased to be joined now by Chris Peters. You know him from his online endeavors with Flow Hockey, ESPN, wrote for or worked with the U.S. national team. He's a well-seasoned journalist and one of the finest prospect experts in the field and the host of Talking Hockey Sense podcast, which if you haven't ever listened to that one and you're listening to this one, you're doing it wrong. Listen to Chris's show first and then catch out, catch up with us when you have time. So, Chris, welcome to the show. It's great to have you on, my friend. Yeah, it's great to be with you guys. Really appreciate it, Peter. And it's yeah, it's it's crazy that we're in August and we're still talking big time, big time hockey because it never stops. It never stops. The prospect news doesn't, right? Like the NHL is yeah, kind of slow. Not. You had a big trade yesterday, but generally yeah. speaking, the NHL is kind of on cruise control or autopilot. But like you said, the prospect news is happening. We have the World Junior Summer Showcase. we got the Halinka going on, but we want to talk to you today about some of the players from the World Junior Summer Showcase. You took all of the action and events in and have all of the inside information that I don't have. So thank you very much for your time and for coming on the show and sharing with us. Yeah, my pleasure. All right. So the first player I want to start with is one of the headliners for the whole shebang, and that would be Lane Hudson. He plays a really exciting and flashy game. And when he has the puck on his stick, some special things happen. He's provided a whole lot of Twitter highlight reels for people to share and gawk over. But I'm wondering, do you, is the online community a little too high on Lane Hudson? Because they're super high on him. What's your thoughts on Lane and how did he look in the showcase? Well, I don't think they're too high on him in terms of what he could potentially do at the World Juniors and what he could potentially do at the collegiate level. And certainly that's what we've seen so far from him. We've seen him at the under 18s. We've seen him at the World Juniors. We've seen him 
at the, the world men's championship. And I, so I think the world juniors is very much about what you do in the moment than it is about what your pro prospects are. Obviously we expect a lot of these guys to be big time professional players and NHL stars. And, but there doesn't necessarily mean that, that they're either ready for the world juniors, but you know, I think Lane Hudson is one of those guys that not only is he ready, he's already been there and he's already played in the men's world championship. And then we saw him at the world junior summer showcase, just continue to be this incredibly skilled dynamic player that is going to make a lot of plays and do a lot of things really well. So I think that's going to be really interesting to see where he ultimately ends up in terms of the amount of minutes that he's going to play for this team in terms of what he's going to do throughout the first half of the season at BU. I think the expectations for him are incredibly high. The thing about it is still, he's a 5'10 defenseman with more offensive capabilities. He's still not a very, he's a lighter player. And though he has grown since he's been drafted and he has, I can just <laughs> see, can look eye to eye with me. Certainly that was not the case a couple of years ago and I'm not a tall person, so it doesn't really matter. But, you know, I think that what he does about as well as anybody is getting pucks up the ice in a variety of ways making defenders miss, making plays in transition, and all of those things matter in the World Junior Championship. So the question is always going to be, can he hold up to the wear and tear and the rough and tumble and the heaviness of the NHL? That's always going to be a question. It's going to be something there. But I also think that there just really hasn't been a defenseman that plays at the level that Lane Hudson does. And I think he's very competitive defensively. He has a good defensive stick. He's able to get under players. He's able to get pucks out of the zone quickly, which is very important in defending not just the traditional stick checks and body checks and everything else. There's a lot of elements of being able to get out of your zone. I think that's something that he excels at. So I got a lot of time for Lane Hudson. I think that he's going to be a very important player for this team. I still think he's a guy that should be an NHL player. The question is going to be, what kind of minutes does a guy like him play at the next level? But I can tell you for this U.S. team, he is going to be a critical piece and certainly one of the guys that, that I expect to have a big world juniors. You mentioned BU. He'll be going back there this year playing his sophomore season and his brother's going to be joining him there as well. His brother's kind of a similar player. I'm excited to see the two of them together and what that would look like. But if he keeps trending in the way he's going, do you think it's possible that he signs at the end of the season and makes his debut as, as soon as like March in the yeah, NHL think, or the AHL? I think it's possible. I certainly think it's possible. Obviously the season he had last year was unprecedented in the last couple decades in terms of yeah. the point production that he had. But I think that the, his approach and the Canadians approach is not about, you know, rushing things. It's not about skipping steps. I think he's very confident that he's going to be an NHL defenseman. But the one thing that he still needs, and I'll say this over and over again, is time to continue to physically mature, to gain strength and weight. And, you know, if he can, he, did, he may not be done growing in terms of his height. So that is another thing. And there's an adjustment period that comes with that. He's probably grown like two or three inches in the last two years. That's a lot in a short amount of time for a player that was obviously so reliant on his feet, on his hands and things like that. So just keeping up with the pace. So if I'm the Habs and if I'm Lane Hudson, I'm certainly not rushing it. You're in a very good place at BU. I think the college hockey is challenging to him still, even though he had so many points last year, he still goes head to head with bigger, heavier players, guys that are, that have speed guys that have experience. And that is challenging him enough. But I think if he has another season, like the one that he had before, if he even goes further than that, it stands to reason that he'll probably sign and then get that next, take that next step, which is probably the AHL as opposed to the NHL. 
I don't have a lot of doubt in Lane Hudson. I believe he's going to be a very good player. I believe he's going to be an outstanding piece for the Habs going forward. But I think that it is going to take time for him to reach that top level. And he's the kind of player that hasn't necessarily skipped a lot of steps in his career yet, mainly because of his size. And I don't think there's a reason to start skipping steps now. So I would also see that gradual development, finding his game, potentially in the AHL. Let's say he has a 70-point season as a defenseman in college hockey. And then I'll, that, then I'll just say, okay, just go right to the NHL, see what happens, sink or swim. But you know, I really do think that even if he has a great season at BU, there has to be a serious discussion about whether or not he's physically matured enough to play at the NHL level. And I think he's heading in that way. So it's it's just an asking for a little more time. Last question on Lane, and this probably is a shorter answer. If everything breaks right for him, right? If he grows another inch and a half or two inches and he bulks up and, and all those concerns are put aside and he takes his time and he, he goes through the process that you're talking about and everything goes as well as it possibly could for him. What are we thinking is ups, a realistic upside is for him? Could he be like in the same kind of class as guys like Cam McCarr and Adam Fox? Yeah, I think. I mean, that, yeah, that's it's obviously that's a big leap. Still, the question is, if he if everything does go well, yeah, I mean, like as far as puck skills go, there is nobody in among defensemen that holds a candle to him. I mean, honestly, in terms of actual puck handling capabilities, we're talking like. Patrick Kane, Johnny Goudreau, like that's the kind of guys that that he emulates and how he plays. And obviously they're not defensemen, but I just think that the question is going to be, can he play like Kale McCarr played upwards of 28 minutes a game last season because they, there were a lot of injuries and he had to play quite a bit. And so Lane Hudson had to like, like Kale McCarr did that. Can Lane Hudson do that same thing? Would the team that he's with, would that be beneficial to them if he's playing that many minutes? That's a real question. So I think that he's going to have to build to that over time. But I do think I've never seen anybody like him. I think that he, like some people say, oh, he look, he kind of plays like Quinn Hughes. And I was like, kind of a little bit, but not really. I mean, but I think that Quinn, it took him a little bit of time, but now we're seeing him play bigger minutes too. So do think that there is a very bright future for Lane Hudson. I think he's a, a top four defenseman a top power play guy, a a weapon offensively. And so I think it, it's only a matter of time before we get there. But I think we still need to, there's still more book to be written on him before he gets the NHL, before we start making those McCarr Fox-like comparisons, because it certainly has the brain and he has the skill. It's just a matter of, does his body have what it takes to get to that level? And I think that'll always be the question that he's going to have to answer. And it's just different. His body is different than Kale McCarr's was at 5'11 and sturdy. And Quinn Hughes had, he was, he's 5'10 and like similar in size, but it took him a little while to make sure that he got his strength up as well. So there's plenty of questions left to be answered, but I mean, the good thing is that he's got a great base of skill and hockey sense to build around. It's going to be a fun show to watch, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I can't wait. All right, so let's move on to the next guy. Frankie Nazar, the next guy we're going to talk about. Chicago's 13th overall pick from 2022. He essentially missed all of last season with Michigan, except for 13 games where he had seven points. People wondering, his size is still kind of similar, 5'9", 174 pounds, still a bit undersized. He was playing for USA Blue in this tournament, two points in two games. Chris, how do you think Nazar looked? 
Yeah. So he actually, I like if, when you combine all of it, cause they shuffled the rosters around. So I think the stat sheet looks a little bit wonky from that, but he actually had eight points in the event and led all players had a five point game against Sweden where they won 10 to one. And the big question coming into the camp was, is he healthy? Is he ready? Is he back to hundred percent? Can he be the guy that he was a couple of years ago? Now, one thing I want to say too, about this is that there is, there's, been a lot of caginess around this injury like nobody really at least publicly has the full understanding of what exactly happened to him and why he was out for so long and what surgeries he's had and all this other stuff however what we're seeing now with him that he's back to full speed and he was playing the style of game that got him drafted 13th overall when he came back last season it was february so we're basically into the postseason we're basically into tournament time for michigan that's a really hard time to start your season because everybody is ramped up. They're in better than mid-season form. They're just getting into their postseason, And so the pace of the game is faster. The games are more intense. And he wasn't able to impact the games as much, mainly because Michigan and Perry much had that roster set for months and there wasn't a, a natural spot for him. So he comes in here, he gets reunited with Isaac Howard, who is one of his line mates. And they're, those guys have been a duo for, a, they were at the National Team Development Program. They really click well together. And now we're starting to see that they have some really good, you know, chemistry already. And it also was Frank Nazar playing a good two-way game. I think his two-way game is a little bit underrated, actually, because we look at the skill, we look at the pace that he plays with, but he played a good two-way game. He's got a great shot. Honestly, like his shot looks even better now. He took some really violent wristers over the course of the games and scored some big goals. And so it was great to see that as well. And now you're looking at a guy that, that has a chance to be a big piece of this team has a chance to probably be one of the three top three centers in the lineup and could be the number two center, even kind of depends on will Logan Cooley be available. That really changes the entire dynamic of the lineup. I think if he is back and that, that makes you maybe make a few different decisions with the lineup as previously projected. But I think there's a lot to like in what he did and what he showed and that he is back, that he's ready to go for this season. You hope that he stays healthy. You hope that everything, that there's no other lingering issues. And then you also hope that if he continues this, the USA has got a legit forward threat, a guy that can absolutely score for them. Yeah. Looking forward to seeing what he does in what technically I guess will be his sophomore season at Michigan. It should be a good one. And the Hawks are really putting together some quality prospects in their system there. The Halinka is a tournament that every year introduces me to, to new prospects. The World Junior Summer Showcase is not usually where that happens, but I was pleasantly surprised to discover James Higgins. He's a 16-year-old who's 2025 draft eligible American player. He'll be playing his draft season with the national team development program. So, so Chris, is this a player that has a chance to make the World Juniors this year, or do we probably have to wait a year and watch him play as a 17-year-old? I think if the camp is any indication, he's in the mix. And yeah, there, there's 11 previous players that played in their draft minus one season in the in recent and in, in all time for USA. Most recently was Charlie Stramel, who played in the Summer World Juniors, so it's a little bit of a, a weird one. He wasn't on the roster in December because he was injured, and he was on the roster in August. Anyway, neither here nor there. But guys like Austin Matthews, Jack Eichel have also been in that situation and played for Team USA at the World Juniors. And James Higgins has a real opportunity to be that guy. He's a center. He's got some kind of Jack Hughes vibes to him in terms of he's quick, he's shifty, he's a brilliant playmaker. He makes plays at speed. 
reads the game incredibly well, and he is confident with the puck on his stick. He's not a big guy. He's not a super strong guy yet. He's going to continue to build strength. He's going to be a bigger factor. We don't know what his plans are for next season or this upcoming season that we're about to go into. He's going to be at the under 18 team and the national team development program, but he's got options in the in his draft season. So he could go the college route, could potentially go to the OHL. I mean, there's a lot of different options available to him and he's going to be one of the most sought after and highly regarded prospects of the 2025 class. And I think he will challenge Michael Misa, who's the early guy that we know because of exceptional status. But as far as this team goes, I mean, we're talking about a guy that could potentially be a top six center in one of the deepest groups of forwards that they've taken in this tournament. I mean, like if Logan Cooley is in, it definitely shifts the options and it definitely hinders James Higgins's opportunity because I don't think you're not going to play him in a fourth line row. You might have him as a 13th forward. I think he's a guy that you want to have because he can drive play. But this is a special young man. And I think he's a guy that that he reads the game remarkably well. He sees the ice incredibly well, and he's got just tremendous maturity and confidence in his game. So I got a lot of time for him. I think he's going to be a big piece. I think he's going to be a great option for them. And I hope that if we don't get to see him, then we'll get to see him at the under 18s in April either way. But this is a guy that I think a lot of American hockey fans are going to get real familiar with real quickly. Yeah, I'm really excited about him and everything that you're saying here. To think that he could crack that roster. And I was looking at the different Team USA rosters. You had the blue and the white. Was there two or three rosters? There were two, yeah. Two, they, right. They shifted them every once in a while, yep. Yeah, and like this is a 16-year-old kid who's not draft eligible till 2025. And he's competing for roster spots with guys who are not only NHL drafted prospects, but like top 10. Yeah, after first, pro- like elite yeah, first rounder prospects that are three of, yeah. years older than him. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and in the last day of camp, just kind of indicative of how good he was. They put him between Cutter Goche and Jimmy Snuggeru, two returning players, two of the best players in college hockey, two guys that are going to be NHL players and two guys that are going to be extremely important for this team. And he looked great with them. Like, I mean, he looked like he belonged with those guys. He made them better. He, he was involved in a scoring play with each of them. And I think that is just a great credit to the preparation that he's put in. He did have 21 points at the under 17 challenge, which is a single tournament record. So he broke, I think it was Ilya Kovalchuk had the record or actually it was Colin White who broke Ilya Kovalchuk's record. And then James Higgins breaks that record with 21 points at that event. So this is a guy that, that if you don't know him yet, get familiar now because you're going to hear a lot about him soon. Is this a player that's worth tanking in your fantasy league? for a first overall pick in 2025? (laughs) I think it's too early to say at this point, but let's see if he has 120 points this season, or if he does something crazy, like we saw Will Smith and Gabe Perot do this year, you know, all of a sudden you're like, maybe because there's, I think his foundation of skills and where he's at right now, relative to where those guys were at this time last year, he's quite a bit ahead. So he is a guy that I think you would want to be paying very special attention to this season in preparation for the 2025 draft. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Light the lamp with DraftKings Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can make a $5 bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with code THPN. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Yeah, well, the next guy that's had already a bit of a coming out party, Cutter Gauthier, Philly's fifth overall pick in 2022, had a really impressive season with Boston College, 37 points in 32 games, and then 10 points in seven U-20 World Junior games helped the U.S. win bronze. Really didn't look out of place at the World Championships either, nine points in 10 games. And thanks for picking up on the issue that I was having collecting the stats on this tournament because, yeah, I wasn't seeing the full complement of stats. I only saw Gautier have like five points in four games, so I'm not sure that's the full complement. So how did Cutter look in this tournament? It seems like he was a step ahead of most of the other players, right? Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. I think that he is one of those guys that just physically there's a difference. There's He's physically stronger. He's faster. He is more developed than a lot of the players here. He's a very strong individual. He is one of the, probably the better pure athletes among this group. Like he's the kind of guy that you would probably see. You could be great at any sport. And just also there's just a confidence and a swagger about him that I thought was more evident this year. I think going to the world championship was huge for his confidence because at last year's world juniors, though he did produce points. I thought he was very inconsistent at that world junior championship. I thought we saw we saw him improve at the world championship because I think the pressure was off. Like nobody expected him to be a top guy. And then he has nine points there. So at this camp, he ended up with four goals and an assist. Cause yeah, I know this is, I had to go and double check a lot of these as well, because with the shuffling rosters, we had quite a bit of back and forth, but four goals and an assist in a four day tournament or four game tournament, or not even really a tournament, but just in a showcase event. I mean, it was clear that he was one of the best players on the ice and that he'll probably be one of the best players at the World Juniors. I think that he is taking a step. The interesting thing that's going to be different, I think a lot of Flyers fans, the expectation and hope is that he's going to be a center. And I think he will be. And I think he can be. The difference between this roster and others is that the U.S. is pretty deep down center and you can have a lot of different options for those guys. But Go, so that might push Gauthier to the wing, not because he's not good enough to play center. He absolutely is. And he did in a couple of days uh, at the World Junior Summer Showcase. But when you put him on the wing with Will Smith or you put him on the wing with James Higgins, all of a sudden you've got a line. You've got the, one of those guys driving the line and you've got Jimmy Snuggerud and Cutter Gauthier on either side as scoring threats, which is very dangerous. And they obviously played with Logan Cooley last year and made USA's most dangerous offensive line. The thing this year is that if you do shut down that line, there's three others, you know, that could potentially score for Team USA. So the fact that they have such depth of scoring is going to help a lot. But there is a big focus on Cutter Goche and how much he's going to mean to this team, because I think people are looking to him to step up, especially if Cooley is not there as a returning player and to be one of the offensive leaders of this team. Let's move on. Let's get away from American players. Let's talk about a Finn. By all accounts, I, mean, I didn't watch any of the games, Chris, but by all accounts, Finland didn't acquit themselves very well at this event. But how did Kiviaru look at and how was he kind of trending going into the draft? Yeah, so very interesting. This Finnish team had a really hard time scoring goals, but they did win two games still. 
which is kind of, they won two of four. They, they had a late comeback. I think what we've seen from Aaron Kibiharyu is that he is smooth. He is confident. He's poised. He has great puck moving abilities, but is he dynamic enough to overcome the concerns about his size, about 5'10", 162? At least that's what he was listed at for this tournament. And I would say, like, we had the same questions about Axel Sandin Pelica at the last draft. Is he dynamic enough to play at that size? And now I think that the other thing that we have to think about is how are NHL blue lines being built? And obviously you have guys like, you have plenty of sub six foot players in the NHL, but you can't have a ton of them on the back end. At least NHL teams are reluctant to have a ton of them. So what I would say about him is that obviously he's one of the youngest players here. He was played in all situations, played key minutes, was on one of Finland's power play units, very adept at moving the puck, and definitely a guy that I think had a lot of space, a lot of ability to create some time and space for himself and for others. The question that I think will continue to be had is the intelligence is there, the skating is there. The question is, is he going to be dynamic enough to be a top 15 pick? Top 20 pick oh, is that because because I think that NHL teams showed last draft. If you would have said that Sandy Pelica was the best defenseman available, well, the team still went after the bigger guys first. They still went after other players before drafting him and he fell down the draft board as a result. I think that's probably the path that Aaron Kibihar is on now, but I don't think that he's necessarily a guy that is if he has a big year in Finland plays at the world juniors plays a key role for this team. Well, then the narrative starts to shift a little bit, but I think in the, in, in all of the international events I've ever seen him in, the skills are there. You can see it. It's just a matter of, are they enough? Is it enough to be a top tier guy at his size? And I think at this point, the answer again, we're way away from the draft, but at this point, we're going to need to see more if we're going to start ta- having that conversation about him being one of the top defensemen in this draft in what should be a pretty deep defense draft. Definitely seems like a very deep draft for defenseman next year. Let's talk about the next guy, the Swede, Philip Bistet, Sharks 27th overall pick in 2022. He had a pretty good season for Linkoping, HC in the SHL, 20 points in 45 games, along with 10 points at the U20 World Juniors for Sweden. That was a pretty big step forward it seemed like for him he really kind of announced that he was taking a big step it seemed to me and he should be back in the SHL next season from what I could gather three points in four games at the world junior summer showcase for Sweden but Chris you got to tell us what you saw from him from the big Swedish center yeah I mean the size obviously right away you see he looks more and more like a man every day and the strength is notable I think his skating ability is high end especially at his size and then he's got some finishing ability. He did have a hat trick in their last game. And that was his the extent of his production. But I think he drove play a lot. We saw him really making plays in the interior. We saw him getting behind USA and Finland defense. We saw him making plays to his line mates. I think the thing is that sometimes he can get a little bit of tunnel vision. He can be a little bit kind of too north south. And then we're not, it doesn't necessarily lead to anything. But I think that physically, the, because of his size and his skating ability, the ceiling on him is incredibly high. He's going to play a significant role for this team. The, this Swedish team that was at the World Junior Summer Showcase did not have Jonathan Lecker, Amaki, 
Osland and Ogren. None of those guys were there. They were all initially on the roster, but did not go. No Leo Carlson. So that really put Philip Bistet in this position to be the guy. And I think for a lot of the games, you just, you would notice him. He was noticeable. He was good. He was skilled. The question is, is he going to be the number one center for this team? I mean, I would imagine if you have the opportunity to have Leo Carlson, he will be the number one center. Where does that leave Ogren and Os- or Osland rather? And then where does that put Bistet? So I think if that guy is your number three center, man, you've got a really deep team. I think the Swedes are going to be one of the teams to beat on home ice. They're going to have a big team. They have a really big decor, but having strength down the middle with guys like Bistet in there, man, that's a lot to ask for. And I really did like his game at the summer showcase. I think he's in for a big season in the SHL. But the question that I'll continue to have is, is the hockey sense there? Does it catch, catch up to his feet and hands enough for him to be significant scoring threat on a more consistent basis? But boy, the tools are absolutely there. One thing that I'm sure is apparent, the Sharks are really going for a massive rebuild here. They're kind of tearing it down, maybe a bit overdue. And I'm sure everyone's looking around thinking, who's going to be the next 1C? Obviously, Will Smith is in the mix there. But, you know, they have Beastead here. He's he's big. He's got the frame. Do you think he can be a 1C or is he kind of more of a 2 or 3C in the NHL two, three years from now? Yeah, I just don't think he drives play enough on his own to be a top tier center, a top center, especially when I think Will Smith is much more of a play driver and much more of a playmaker than Bstet. But I do think that he's the kind of guy that your forward group is better for having him down the middle. He's responsible defensively. He's physical when he's quick. And so I just I don't see him um, as a one C. I think like you hope that he's a two C. I think that's still potentially optimistic. I think he looks to me more like a middle six center. So that gives you a little bit more wiggle room. It still says that he could be a number two center, but maybe he's also number three. Either way, I I just think that his speed, his skill, all those things on top of the size really does help him be a potential threat to be a top six player. I just sometimes wonder if, if he thinks and reads the game at the level that you would expect a guy in the top six to do it. Chris, another player I wanted to ask you about, my last guy, is Lenny Hamanajo. He's a New Jersey Devils second round selection from the 2023 draft we just had in Nashville. He went 58th overall, 6'1", 185. I don't really have much information on him, but I saw his name scrolling through Twitter or X, whatever we're calling it these days, as these games were going. So it's kind of piqued my curiosity and it's got me thinking there's something about this player I need to know. Can you enlighten me and the listeners on Lenny Hemenow? Yeah, really good, really good weekend. He was by far Finland's most consistent and consistently productive forward. He had seven points. The only guy that had more than him was Nazar. And so he really played well. He had points in every single game. He had goals in their first two games, and then he was creating a lot of assists in the next games. And I think the things that are important about him is he's kind of decent size. It's 6'1", 185. He makes... He's pretty strong. He played all of last season in, in pro hockey. And that shows, I think that he is, he, he he's able to absorb contact. He's able to play off of contact. He makes, he's got a good motor. So he, it allows him to fight through things and fight through adversity and find his teammates, which he did really well in this tournament or this event. And so 
I think that's really critical for Finland. This was not a team that was able to produce consistently, but they had a guy that was actually putting up points for them, which is why I think he's probably going to have a pretty significant role on this team. In addition to the pro experience that he has, not a lot of flash about him, but he's very efficient, very effective. Reads plays well. I think he's very intelligent. And then again, he's got that work ethic and he plays well off the puck that helps. And that really helps his team. Like to see the work rate that he has, like to see the the precision that he played with in this event. And yeah, I mean, to come out of it with seven points in the over four days on a team that really struggled to score, that says a lot. So I like the player a lot. I think that he's going to be a key guy at the World Juniors. What does it mean for him in terms of being a pro and an NHL player? I think he's probably a middle six forward. He's got potential to be in the NHL. He's, he's not by any means a lock, but you look at the way that he played here and you say, well, this guy is certainly going to help Finland come December. The last guy I want to talk to you about, another shark. I don't know who put this list together, but it seems like a Sharks fan. They just had a lot of representation there. Quinn Musty went 26 overall to the Sharks. Some people think that was a that was pretty good value, maybe even a steal. He was in Sudbury this past season. We'll be back there again. He had 78 points in 53 games. Due to his birthday, I think it's probably two more years of the OHL for him, unless he makes some sort of huge jump after next season. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. At the World Junior Summer Showcase, he had, well, what I could see, two points in three games for USA Blue. But what did you see from Quinton Musty, Chris? Yeah, so he played a lot. I think that this whole camp was designed to get guys in the positions that the coaching staff thought they could play. And for Quentin Musty, that meant he's not going to be in the top six because he's not unseating Rucker McGrody or Cutter Goche as a top six winger on this team. Probably not unseating Ike Howard either or Gabe Perot. But if he plays a fourth line role, maybe he has a chance. And I think that's really what USA wanted. What we saw from him there played a heavy game. He stuck to his role. He provides scoring depth. He scored the last goal of the camp or for his team. He scored with 1.8 seconds left in the game against Sweden. And that was the game winning goal. And that was a net front play. He was able to be disruptive in the offensive zone. And I think he kept pace. He's not the strongest skater, but he kept pace with this, with the world junior pace that gives him a chance. He's by no means a lock for this roster, because I think that there might be some guys that are a little bit more defensively responsible. That could be a better fit in that fourth line role guys that are both defensively responsible and still give you some scoring depth. So that's going to be the question for him. Does he make this final roster? If he doesn't, he's got another chance next year. And I think he would be a big part of next year's team. I think there'll be a lot of guys from his birth year that are big time players for that team. because 2005 birth year was very productive for the U S in a number of tournaments. And I think that given the role that he played, we shouldn't have expected him to put up a lot of points and he didn't two points is still pretty good. I thought that he impacted games adequately. I don't think that he put himself over the top to make their team, but I do think there was a lot to like about his, about what he does. And so I think that there's a lot there for him to, to continue to work on and potentially do, but I mean, I thought at, I was very interested to see how he was going to handle this pace of this camp. And I thought he handled it very well. And that's very encouraging for the season. He's an incredibly physically strong player. He's one of the thicker forwards the U.S. has. So that gives him an opportunity to be part of this roster because he's a tough guy to move. That's the good stuff from Chris Peters. Thanks so much for coming on and talk to us about these guys, Chris. Really appreciate your time. Hey, my pleasure, guys. Really great to be with you. And it was a lot of fun. So uh, yeah, hopefully we could do it again sometime. Yeah. So as I mentioned earlier on, you've got your own podcast, Talking Hockey Sense. Go ahead and take a minute and give yourself a big plug here, bud. 
Well, thanks very much. Yeah, definitely. I've got the Talking Hockey Sense podcast over at the Flow Sports Network. And you obviously can get it wherever you get your podcasts. And we also are on YouTube and on flowhockey.tv. So many different ways to interact with the podcast. I'm going to be cutting down on the last few shows here, just a little some short shows in the next couple of weeks. And and then, yeah, we'll be back for next season in full swing and with weekly episodes. So yeah, hopefully you guys check it out. Definitely check out all our work at flowhockey.tv. Got a lot of post-World Junior Summer Showcase kind of rundowns and projected rosters and all that good stuff over there. So definitely check it out. And thanks for having me on, guys. And thanks for letting me plug plug all my stuff. I appreciate it. Uh, it's our pleasure having you on, Chris. Really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks very much. Thanks, guys. See you in the rink. Now that we've had the goods from Chris Peters, the next thing we're going to do is a little bit of fun for one of our DPR Dynasty Leagues. We have three of them, one with Peter, one with myself, and one with our producer, Evan, who wasn't actually able to be here tonight, but we're going to do the draft order for that league. People have been clamoring and waiting for it, so... Here we go. I got the names all loaded up in here and I'm going to showing Pete just so he sees. He doesn't know what all these names mean, but he sees them all listed here. And so we'll go ahead and click generate draft order. So this is for the pro draft. And number one is Lemache. I don't know how to say that. How do you say that, Pete? Lemetri? Lemetri. I don't know. It's French, I'm sure. And I'm butchering it. Yeah. So anyways, I don't probably do Lidingdong either, I'm afraid, even though I'm Canadian. Yeah, I have more of an excuse. I'm actually trying to learn French, but it's, I don't know that word. So, so I, does that mean the mother? I don't know. I might try. Anyways, Kessel's hot dogs number two. O Rangers is three. Sean is four. My Hyru is five. Bobby, six. Pipple, Madness, seven. Amalad, my buddy Yarno, eight. Finnish friend there. Hickey Hockey, nine. W Simon is 10. Harrison is 11, Gambler 12, JM Troops 13, Evan gets number 14. That's my, Josh. my draft too. Yeah, you two are the same. In fact, I think I have thir- 15. So we You're, pretty much all we're, got... We're, yeah, the shaft. We all got the... <laughs> we all got the... This is how you know it's not rigged because we all got what we didn't want. <laughs> Anyways, just Josh and you got 15. The new team, which I just put in right now, is actually Jordan. So Jordan, you get 16. Sachi's Greg, you get 17. And Jesse Rankin, 18. Which, which means, means Connor Bedard. Bedard, yep. yeah. <laughs> so well done there. I am, last time we did this, I forgot to copy this down. And then my computer reset and it got all scrambled. So I'm going to come paste this right now so I don't forget. So you have um, to listen to the episode to remember the draft order. Well, luckily, some really nice listeners just did that for me and I didn't have to. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yes, they were all eager to know. I made a decision in, in, in the league that I'm in for our team names. We're going with the retro names. So any defunct team, any league, as far as I'm concerned, you can make that your moniker. I went with the uh, the Kingston Raiders. They had a short-lived reign as, on that name. So they had a fun little logo, too. So that's what I went with, staying with my Kingston yeah. roots. There were some really good suggestions you there. What was it? The Seals? Was it San Francisco? I can't remember. The California, Golden Seals. California yeah. Golden Seals. California Golden Seals. That's right. That was like yeah. really old school. There's some good ones there. There's there was a team name called the Whoopi. Did I see that? Yeah. That's hilarious. Macon. Macon Whoopi. Oh, I thought it was Macon. Macon Whoopi sounds even better. Yeah. That's what yeah, that's I guess that's how you pronounce it. Macon Whoopi. <laughs> 
I mean, that's more fun. Grenville Swamp Rabbits is another great name. There's some good ones. I like that one. I thought you should have gone with Famous Peters and you could have been Ron Jeremy. That would have been a good one. Yeah. What? (laughs) Famous Peters. Come on. (laughs) Okay. All right. So my league decided to go with the Victors, not just named Victor, although we consider that, but they're literally like five NHLers named Victor, so that was lame. So we decided to go with the winners, so Stanley Cup champs, and so Stanley Cup champion captains. And so I went with Nick Lidstrom, classic choice, and there were some other good ones, obviously. But yeah, it kind of limited your options, but there's some fun ones. Some people pick guys from like so long ago, I didn't even know they were real people. I thought they were, thought they were messing with me, but no, they were real. <laughs> If we did go with the with the Peter names, I was going to have to take Pete Peters, right? Because what's more appropriate than that? There you go. So Evan, your league is going to have to figure out a a fun way to to make the names be good. There's a problem. You're not any good. Wrap it up. Thanks, everyone, for listening to the Dauber Prospects Report number 17. We got another five star Google review this week. That's three weeks in a row where we've gotten at least one. So thank you very much to everyone who's given us feedback and I got a couple of messages sent directly to me telling me that you guys are enjoying what we're doing and particularly the episode that we had with Shane Malloy. So appreciate all the feedback we'll do. I think we're planning on doing another scouting tips episode and I'm working on getting an NHL scout from Seattle lined up for that one. So that should be fun for feedback on the show or to chat with us. You follow us on Twitter or X marks the spot, whatever we're calling it at DPR underscore show at Farling at Victor Nuno 12 and at Sabrin 91. And don't forget to follow Hockey Pod Net, all great podcasts on the network. Go ahead, subscribe to the show. Listen to us on iTunes, Spotify, the podcast aggregator of your choice. Give us those five-star reviews. We gobble them up like candy. It really helps the show and it lets us know what you guys want to hear. We can do more episodes like that. So that's it for today, everybody. Thanks for listening to Report 17. Keep your sticks on the ice, and we'll see you on the next show. You suck, you jackass. Let's do that hockey.